welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solution Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy, back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we'll talk with two RSP members who are B2B sales experts. Our first guest today is Darcy McNamara, recently named Strategic Partner Specialist at DataCap Systems. Prior to joining DataCap, Darcy worked as a Director of Sales and a Senior Account Executive at some companies our listeners are going to recognize, including First Data, Global Payments, and Equinox. And also, Darcy is a proud graduate of, Darcy, where'd you go to college? West Virginia University. West Virginia University, Mountaineers. <laughs> a WVU product. Now, Chris Arnold, who regular listeners uh, know, is our director of marketing and does all the producing uh, for this podcast. He is also a WVU grad, so I know he's thrilled to have you on. And then, Darcy, what's your hometown? Erie, Pennsylvania. Erie, Pennsylvania, Northwest PA, same hometown as me uh, as well. And so with Chris being a WVU grad, with me being an Erieite, I'm just curious what took you so long for us to invite you on the pod. It seems like you should be on every episode uh, with I that insight. I know, I know, absolutely. And a lot of people well, don't know. I have a t-shirt that says Erieite and people are like, what is an Erieite? <laughs> yes, yes, very good. No, we we know what Erieites are because we are Erieites. So Darcy, great, great to have you here. Welcome you. Uh, to the podcast. Our second guest is James Gribben, an account manager with Metropolitan Sales. Although I don't think I've ever heard your company called anything but Met Sales, right? And so James has been a member of the Met Sales team since 2007. That's 15, moving in on 16 years. And he's not resting on his laurels. James, you and I attended the RMH Retail Management Hero Partner Conference in October. And there was some downtime right when their education sessions going on. And I saw you, you were not just sitting with your feet up on the table. You had your headset on, you were hustling there. You were talking to taking care of customers. So I appreciate the hustle and uh, welcome to the podcast, James. Thanks for having me, Jim. I appreciate being here. And yeah, it was a great time seeing you in uh, at RMH and uh, another great uh, RSPA partner and uh, looking forward to supporting them and the rest of the RSPA members. Thanks yeah, for wonderful. having me. No, well, thanks for having both of you on. So both of you have had successful sales careers. And my question, I kind of get it from you know, the talking heads. How did I get here? My question is, how did you get here? Right, and Darcy, if you can go first, what was your path to working in sales and helping partners in the retail IT channel? How'd you get here? So I actually started um, in marketing right out of college and just kind of evolved into the whole payment space. I was with a financial institution, um, a bank, calling on credit unions, kind of moved into payments when I moved to the processing side, and then just kind of evolved into the hardware and now into the software. And I always joke that payments is a lot like the NFL, same players, just different teams. <laughs> Yes, they're free agents. That's that's for sure. And how did you choose to go down the marketing uh, and sales path? Did, did you choose that or did it choose you? It kind of chose me. I had a degree from WVU in business with an emphasis in marketing and just started into marketing. And then as I grew with my first position, they kind of moved me into inside sales and outside sales. And it just kind of evolved. It was really just a kind of journey that I went on and I was willing to, I guess, try new things, move to new places and 
you know, see where it took me. Got it. Great. And James, uh, what's your story? Uh, how did you get uh, into sales and how did you get to helping partners? It's funny how Darcy says that it kind of evolved. And I think that happens to a lot of us in sales. But, uh, you know, in, in college, uh, I started the career one down one career path to be a marine biologist, of all things, and uh, realized after watching the graduates from there that no one's really going to become a Jacques Cousteau. And I changed my majors <laughs> to a degree in business uh, you know, business marketing and sales and marketing. Uh, during that time, I sold uh, retail computers at a Tandy-owned company called uh, Incredible Universe, which uh, very similar to a Best Buy format, um, more circus-like, but it was it was interesting. Um, later, I did an internship, which led into a nine-year career at a, a company that manufactured. Um, medical diagnostic test kit manufacturing equipment. So we were making machines that were custom built to order. And I did everything from, uh, I was very computer oriented from IT admin. I had uh, degrees in um, Microsoft and Novell Netware administration. I, I implemented their network and their computer phone system. And they, they moved me into marketing to do like Photoshop and make their spec sheets and PowerPoints. Next thing I know, they're like, can you go to trade shows? And the salesperson left and I was their sole salesperson at that company for seven years selling $250,000 big custom built to order automation machines to pharmaceutical companies traveling all over the world selling custom built to order machines you know which which gave me a good background having that you know being able to deal with a diverse culture of group of people so I, I think I gained a lot of listening skills doing that but um, found another company on Long Island, uh, Metropolitan Sales, which although they sound so drastically different, the amount of technology that went into those machines kind of let me into this this space, you know, selling point of sale hardware and kiosk hardware and that kind of things. And mm -hmm. Metropolitan Sales has such a great team that I, I just haven't left. You know, I, I have no desire to. It's just a wonderful company to work with. Great. So two different paths, right? You know, you came down from more of the technical standpoint and then switched over to sales and Darcy, you were marketing, which again is is integrated with sales. And James, I do have to ask because we hyped uh, that Darcy was a WVU grad. Where did you attend college? You know, Westbury in, in uh, Long Island, in Old Westbury, Long Island. Uh, can you say that again? It cut out for a little bit. Uh, uh, SUNY, Old Westbury, State University of New York, Old Westbury. Got it. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm familiar with uh, the SUNY uh, campuses because being from Erie, uh, yeah, right yeah, on sure. the border of of New York there. So we'd, we'd know some of those. So, okay. Well, interesting. Yeah. So I guess that's one of the things about sales. It's not that there is some, you know, one path for like a lot of, you know, lawyers or doctors. My parents did this and this was always the thing that I kind of needed to do or people who are running, you know, uh, mortuary science, right? They go, but sales comes from all sorts of of different angles. So, um, so okay, well, great. Well, thanks for sharing those backgrounds. Nice to know that it's uh, different backgrounds. And the questions that I have lined up for you guys today are, I, I pulled them from a list of pre-employment hiring questions. Not that you're interviewing for a job, but I think those can be very telling. And I really want folks to learn from your experience, your anecdotes, and uh, so we can really get a, a clear picture there. And so to our listeners, if you wanna get a list of a longer, a list of questions related to hiring, especially for salespeople, email me at jroddy at gorspa.org. That's J-R-O-D-D-Y at G-O-R-S-P-A.org. 
rspa.org. And I'm going to email you a free copy of my book, Hire Like You Just Beat Cancer, that includes these questions plus many, many more. So Darcy, my first question for you from that packet is, where are you in your job search? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're going to skip over. <laughs> we're only going to ask the pertinent questions uh, from that. So Darcy, uh, so let's start. Uh, and again, I'm going to ask both of you these questions. Not that we're going to offer one of you or the other a job afterwards, but um, talk about in, in all your work in sales, Darcy, have you been more successful servicing clients or developing new territories? And then why do you say you're more successful in one than the other? Um, so I guess that's a really interesting question because when I first moved to Georgia back in 1996, I was taking over a territory. But it's more of when I came down here, it was all men. And so I was the first female salesperson coming in. So it was not only building that territory, but also putting my mark on how I was going to be servicing my customers as well. And again, I was calling on these people that a lot of times were just moving to a different team, staying in the same financial services kind of umbrella. So I was not only making a name for myself down here in Georgia, but I was also making a name for if somebody was with a bank and then moved to a credit union or a financial institution or a processor, they would still reach out. And this was long before the days of you know, LinkedIn and it was pager days where people had your pager number. <laughs> I, I had a page. And they would page you. So it just kind of evolved into where I was making a name for myself, unbeknownst to me. By the way, I was taking care of my customers with my ultimate goal of building this territory, but also kind of putting my mark on how I wanted to build that as well. Got it. Interesting. I will say this one when you're customer service, you have a pager. No good news is ever coming in on that pager. No one's ever saying everything's going great. Like you have nine messages and they're all like, ooh, headaches to a different degree. So, um, well, let me ask you, do you, is there one that you enjoy more than the other servicing or developing your territories? I guess at this point in, in your career, which do you find uh, more invigorating? I'd say I kind of like to be more of a hunter. So I'd probably like to build the territory. Um, and I find that sometimes it just comes organically as I'm taking care of my customers. They'll introduce me to somebody else that they know, or they'll move to another company that then becomes a prospect for me. So I would say, but I like having those initial conversations, getting it going, getting the interest, and then kind of passing it along. Got it. Great, thank you for that. How about for you, James? Uh, uh, servicing, developing new territories, which is which you've been more successful in? De definitely have to say servicing uh, new customers, servicing existing customers. You know, I've always found that giving the customers great service and making them feel like they're the number one priority at that point in time, and doing everything I can to make them feel like they're getting that top-notch service goes a long way for them, especially in our industry where everybody knows everybody. You go to RSPA, it's 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 just as much a reunion as it is a as a business environment and networking environment. And you get a lot of good word of mouth referrals. So, you know, my goal is always to let you know, ask for a referral one thing, but if 
that comes with the respect that you get from doing a good job for the customer. And I do hunt, you know, I do go to trade shows and walk the floor and cold call and and things of that nature as well. And I have gotten some of my, mo you know, some great accounts doing it that way. But maintaining customers through word of mouth and um, servicing that, providing great service, I think has gone the longest way for me to build a good customer relationship with that group. Got it. Good. Thank, thank you for that. Um, and then can you share an example with us? Uh, this is going to be the next question. James, if you can take this first and then Darcy next. Um, you know, folks talk about sales cycles. In fact, today we're uh, interviewed Ashley Nagy, the VP of Member Services uh, for the RSP, and I were actually interviewing a couple candidates for a sales job. And that was one thing that came up was like, tell me about the, the sales cycle for this. So, James, can you first share with us an example of you closing a sale quickly? Like, what did you do to accelerate the process without being too aggressive with the prospect? Yeah, and, and I'm, it's like one of those things that I, I hate a pushy salesperson calling me. Nothing turns me off more. So it's a fine line, you know, to that, that you have to walk. And it, a fast turnaround comes from a lot of different things. Sometimes it's being, in, if you have your name out there and you're in the right place at the right time because you've laid the groundwork, to, to do that, then a lot of those quick sales come come easier, but it's not because it, it was easy. It's because you've laid the groundwork for that to happen. You know, for example, it could be inventory. It could be having a good done a good job for a lot of those people's friends, and then you got the referral. So, you know, I've had many instances where, you know, a customer call and say, hey, you know, reseller XYZ gave me your phone number and said that you guys carry um, – this brand, you know, with the data cap solution loaded on it, or for example, <laughs> can you help us out? Yeah, we have stock on that, and I can tell them about the product. What comes with that is product knowledge. You know, we, we by going to events like RSPA and, and 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 other trade shows as well, and staying in contact with our manufacturers. If you build the product knowledge of of all the products that you have. I think customers respect that. You know, we try not to be order takers at, at Metropolitan Sales or even myself. I try to be, you know, a trusted partner. I view my customers more as partners than as customers. If they're selling something, I'm selling something in, in, in this industry because it's, you know, we're only working with resellers. So I'm trying to help them sell and, and be an extension of their, you know, their team. And I think it starts to come naturally and then they, they the, the sales come with that sometimes very, very fast. Yeah. And so one of my favorite books that I'd recommend to all of our, our listeners and viewers is Purple Cow by um, Seth Godin. And so Purple Cow is all about, you know, you can do all the marketing on top of your product, but if the product's mediocre, like it's going to be hard to market that. It kind of sounds like what you're saying. Well, if you have the inventory and you have the reputation and you have, you know, about the, the, all these things, then it's way, I don't say easier because it's never easy to sell, no, but right. you're saying that is really what accelerates or like you said, that product knowledge. If I do all the work and as I'm talking with this person, I can answer every single one of their questions, that's going to be better than, ooh, I got to go check on that or I'm not quite sure. In my understanding, is that what you're saying, James? Like you got to set and make it sure it's a fertile ground and make sure you're 100% prepared to talk to that prospect. Exactly right. I mean, you have to fertilize the garden before anything's going to grow. And uh, we we have, you know, by putting in the effort in, up front, which takes years. I mean, I've been at Metropolitan Sales for, I think right. it's in two weeks, I think it's 16 years. It's, you know, 
it, but by making sure you maintain product knowledge because it's ever changing um, and that you you have you maintain inventory of the popular products and then you know your customers industry then when those calls come naturally and it's not a it's not a forced sales pitch because you can have a natural conversation like we're having now yeah yeah great no thank you for that um uh darcy uh can you give an example of you uh closing a sale quickly again makes it sound like it's a competition <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah um sometimes and i like what james said about you know really being someone for them to lean on with your expertise and the knowledge in you know industry knowledge and everything um but and sometimes i think it also helps if you have like empathy for the customer as well and can understand what they're going through as well um especially when challenges and stuff come up because i did have one a large customer that i had been you know pursuing for quite some time and then all of a sudden you know, she was too busy putting fires out, too busy putting fires out. And so I joked one day that she needs a fire extinguisher. And she's like, oh, I know, I really do. So I mailed her a miniature fire extinguisher. <laughs> um, so like sometimes you just got to really be creative and, you know, have that empathy. And I just put a note in it and said, you know, hey, I figured this might help you put out some fires. And so sometimes doing something like that can kind of grab their attention and make them realize, oh, hey, you're human too. Like you get the challenges that we're going through. So um, that's probably like one of my more creative yeah. areas without being pushy and constantly calling her, but it got me to the point where, okay, I'm gonna make time for you. We're gonna meet, we're gonna sit down, we're gonna talk this through and you're gonna help me. Yeah, and so for our folks who are listening only on audio, I, I actually moved the fire extinguisher that I keep here in the office off <laughs> camera right before our interview. And I'm like, oh, I should have had it closer to me so I don't have to reach over and get it. So um, I love that. Darcy, can you talk about how, what have you done to develop expertise? What have you done to develop empathy? I'm guessing they don't, they would have different paths in order to develop those two. Yeah, and I think it's just really having that human touch and building those relationships. I'm known for always picking up the phone. Like, I am not afraid to have a conversation, talk to the people. And I think that just makes you appear more personal and you that you understand what they're going through. And you can build mm -hmm. that relationship than just, hi, how are you doing? And so I'm always one for changing up the way I contact people. I may text them. I may call them. I may email them. I don't stick to just email, but then sometimes people will be the best way to get to catch me is text me. So that, you know, I try to kind of gravitate towards whatever their preferred way of communication is. Okay. And as far as, you know, gaining more knowledge and being an expert, um, I guess the biggest thing is I don't say no. Like you're, if you're constantly learning and constantly evolving and instead of thinking, oh, I don't have the knowledge to do this. No, you do and don't ever say no. It puts you outside your comfort zone and it makes you grow. Yep, yep, well said, yeah. So once you feel like you've know it all, you've, you know it all, you're confirming that you don't know it all if you have that perspective, so. 
Good. All right. So that was a short sales cycle. James, why don't you give us an example of a long sales cycle and your persistence to see the process through to the close? And I'm hoping this is really instructive, especially for new RSPA members, especially the vendor members, because we tell folks when they're coming on, you know, brand new, they're like, I want to sign up this many partners or get whatever. And we say, like, this is an industry where you don't just jump in. All of a sudden people start flocking over to you like it is a marathon. And so you've got to start the race now and really build over time. So talk about, you know, again, from a from your perspective, an example of you being persistent for a long sales cycle. Yeah, it, it, there's, there's a couple that come to mind. One of my most interesting, my, my, one of my favorite stories is, what, and it all evolves from going to trade shows. And I think that's such an important part of the industry. But I, I went to, um, I walked a show an amusement park show about 10, 15, 10, 12 years ago. And I met up with a ISV that was offering a solution for family entertainment centers. And it turned out that they needed uh, terminals and we followed up and they started purchasing terminals from us. A few years later, I'm at a, uh, and I, I maintained a good relationship with that customer. Years later, I'm at uh, the show is now defunct. It was called Kioscom, and they used to have an an East Coast show and a West Coast show. And I was at the, was working the booth for Epson at, uh, which is one of the products we represent, Mm -hmm. when they had kiosk printers at the Kioscom show. And they stopped by the booth saying, "We're looking to build kiosks for our uh, for the family entertainment centers that we serve." So I walked them to every booth at the show. I showed them all the hardware that I was familiar with and helped them choose the hardware for their kiosk. So they 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 wanted to farm out the kiosk manufacturing to a kiosk manufacturer. So they brought in this kiosk manufacturer. They introduced me to them. We set them up with an account. And now I've been selling, still maintaining selling to that first ISV. Now I'm selling hardware to that kiosk manufacturer who started bringing another business to me. My sales rep left that kiosk manufacturer to go to another one. That one comes to me. And now all three companies are still buying from me to this day after 10 years. And they came to me and they brought me the largest um, order that I've ever received on a single PO for 2,500 touch computers for a major department store for a uh, for a kiosk that they were building. I think it was for a bridal registry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that could have been a quick sale because that company, they said, we heard you did such a great job. We think you can handle this order. And it was a quick, uh, you know, PO for I think it was like 2,500, you know, all-in-one touch computers. But that process to get to that point took five years. And it was <laughs> all by continuing to do a good job servicing each of these three accounts. And it just kind of led you down that path. And, and still to this day, I'm working with all three of these. And they're, they're, they're probably in my top 10 customers. That's fabulous. And no downside to providing outstanding service, right? It's going to pay off for you right. short-term, long-term, has all sorts of ripple effects to it. Great, great story. Darcy, uh, you want to have an example to share? I do, and it's a little bit different. I had been tasked with kind of bringing on some different partners with a previous employer, and one of those was a gateway. And so when I approached them, they were kind of like, well, you know, we have a two-year roadmap um, that it's going to take for us to get you in the queue and everything. And it's going to cost this amount of money for us to do it and everything. And I just kept getting frustrated and kind of blown off. And I was like, okay. 
So then at a trade show, somebody had asked about it, this same gateway. And I was like, well, I'm kind of being blocked at the front door is kind of how I put it with the put offs and everything. And so they were a huge partner of theirs. And they were like, oh, don't you worry, we're going to come in the back door and I'm going to be your advocate and get it done. So they helped me get the integration done in eight weeks with zero cost because mm. I had a advocate that was already in the door with them that was willing and believed in our product that was like, no, you need to push this to the top of your queue. And it was amazing because something that we thought wasn't going to be completed for two years down the road was done in a matter of a few weeks and at no cost. So I think sometimes it's not what you know, it's sometimes who you know that can also put together what you think is going to be a long sales cycle and kind of push it along. And I think it's key to know who those people are that can be your advocate within the organization or that already have that relationship with that organization. No, thanks for saying that. And I guess one thing I've run into with VARS where they talk about some frustration with their current customers, like how do they not know we offer this? It's not just that they knew you like Darcy, she's nice. She's from Erie, of course she's nice. Um, <laughs> it, it would also be, and they know what you do and what you have to offer, right? They knew the value that you could provide. Is that accurate that it's not just, hey buddy, how's it going? How was your weekend? You're constantly staying in front of them so they understand the value proposition. Am I understanding that correctly? A little bit, but also this was a new uh, partnership with a new area. So they were wanting to push it because they had customers that needed that solution as well. So when they can come in and say, hey, we need this because it's going to help us solve a problem or a hole that we have presently, that can help as well. Got it. Yeah, it's like uh, being a, truly aligned with the customer, to your point, James, not just a customer, but a partner. Like if you find those, if you hunt right. for those opportunities, that's way better than trying to make, what is it, a square peg fit into a round hole uh, doing it that way. So, all Absolutely. right. Well, since since we're talking about sales, I do have to uh, sell the RSPA memberships uh, at this point. You guys can let me know how I do afterwards. We're going to pause here, let our listeners and viewers know an RSPA membership has never been more valuable or affordable. Annual memberships for VARS start at just $250 a year. That's 68 cents a day for dozens of high value services. And if you're a smaller startup software developer, memberships start at just $300 a year. I didn't do the math. I know it's not quite 68 cents a day, but it's it's close enough. It's under a dollar a day. Uh, I know divided by 300. Vendors and software developers and distributors and payment processors can also benefit from an RSP membership through introductions of VAR and ISV members and by showcasing their solutions to the exclusive RSP Solutions Center and at the Retail Now trade show. And we want to thank our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsor for 2022 is Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are Brother, Cocard, Heartland, ScantSource, and Shift4. To receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. All right, back to our interview packet. Who wants to take this one first? Tell me about a time you weren't getting along with a coworker. No, I'm just kidding. That's in the interview packet. You can email me about that. Um, I will say I recorded a YouTube video to promote my book 10 years ago. That video about how, tell me about a time you weren't getting along with a coworker. You can 
Google it on YouTube or whatever search on YouTube, it has like 15,000 or 17,000 views. It's something that like went way <laughs> off the charts and it just shows it's a problem that people have getting along with coworkers. But that's not what we're talking about today. Um, Darcy, why don't you start us off with this? I'm curious about, you mentioned earlier about improving your skills, right? I'm guessing both of you are much better communicators and listeners than you were when you first started getting engaged in the channel. So how have you improved your communication skills over the years? Is it formal training? Is it coaching, mentors, online courses, public speaking? Is it just, you know, engaging with as many people as possible? What what have you done? So I think that's a great question because one of the things that I've done that I think has gained the most, not the most that I've grown from is Toastmasters. And Toastmasters is something that's been around for years, but I started it when I first got into sales to just kind of boost my confidence as I got into sales and feeling confident with what I'm selling and not letting the customer run the call as opposed to me taking ownership of it. And then I took a break from it and then I went back to it again. And so that has really helped, especially when you can get yourself recorded and see exactly what you're doing. For instance, I was headed to Missouri for a call and I just moved to Georgia. So I had, you know, fully embraced the South and decided y'all was a great word to use on a regular basis. And, but I knew going to Missouri, they like to use you guys. So I had to like do a whole speech and purposely take y'all out of it to kind of get me back to the basics, I guess you could say. Um, so that's one. And then a second one is one that we're in an industry as we know, that is heavily male dominated. So Paytech Women has, it used to be WNET, has yeah. been a huge um, part of my career. And I was, I've been with the organization since it first started back when I was at Global Payments and they were one of the first original organizations that was sponsoring it. And it was has just been something that has grown throughout the years. And it really helps women promote women in this industry where a lot of times it's a good old boys club. Oh, so um, that has really, I'd say those two have probably been the best that has just really helped. And um, Paytech does a lot of networking events, um, Zoom calls on different topics but they're all really geared towards women. And that has really been helpful to me. Great, no, thanks for sharing that. And WNET Paytech Women Now is um, a, a partner of the RSPA, Wendy Holiday. I just made a note right now to make sure I send her this episode to make sure she knows <laughs> you're saying great things about her organization. Um, and it's uh, it's interesting you talk about confidence. And I think I know uh, Ashley Nagin and Anna Scriven from the RSPA team just went to the WNET, now Paytech Women uh, event recently. That was a big thing that that came back. I guess if you can open up eyes, um, Darcy, to folks in terms of how important confidence is and actually going out to, uh, so 
for knowledge, you know, or I should say this, people just say, be more confident, but it's really coming down to if you get the knowledge and you practice your communication skills, that will result in confidence as opposed to like, just stand up straight. I guess if you can add a little bit of color uh, to that, Darcy, in terms of developing confidence to become a better salesperson, a better business person. Yeah. And it, it's ironic because one of my first managers that I had in sales, uh, that was the one thing that he stressed is you got to believe in what you're selling or nobody else will. And not everybody's going to be happy with it, but it's how you handle the ones that aren't happy is really going to build your confidence because nobody is 100% thrilled with everything. So you're going to have the people that are not happy, but you're going to learn from those mistakes that get made and that's going to help you grow. So don't be afraid to make mistakes. And I've it's funny because over the years I've learned those are the things and the experiences that have help me with my confidence growing and kind of exploding is when I make that mistake is when you really dig in and you learn more than if you're just cruising along with success, little successes here, you make those mistakes that really helps set the tone where you're just going to get more confident and grow. And Hey, I know this is, you know, this might happen, but I know exactly how to either avoid it or prevent it or deal with it once it does happen. Yep, learn from those experiences. And James, I saw you vigorously shaking your head uh, when Darcy was talking about the importance of developing the confidence, not just saying I'm confident, but actually putting the work in. Why Why were you uh, in such strong agreement? She, no, I mean, she hit it, the nail right on the head. First of all, when you nurture the skills, the confidence comes with it, like you said, you know, by practicing and educating yourself. And I also agree with the statement that if you don't feel confident in the product, it's it's harder to sell. You know, the, the products that I, I sell most successfully are the ones that I kind of think of. If I was the VAR, the reseller in that situation, would I buy that product? And if I if the answer to that question is yes, then it's an easy sale. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, and I have the confidence because that's what I would use if I was in that situation. You know, not just because I'm, I have a lot of products to choose from, like, you know, and, and you know, at Metropolitan Sales, and we can help fit the right round peg for the right round hole. And, you know, and uh, having that product knowledge that builds confidence right there, too. So it's, it's, you know, like you said before, it's a marathon, you know. Yeah. And I'll say we have a guideline at the RSPA in terms of should we sell a membership to this person? And we say, if you were an un, if you were a paid trusted advisor of theirs, not working for the RSP, would you recommend they buy an RSP membership or a booth or something like that? If those two answers don't align, well, then you got a problem, right? You should be selling something that their trusted advisor, their consultant would say, oh, you've got to go ahead uh, and do this. James, anything else to add in terms of how you've improved your communication skills? Anything that you would suggest uh, in addition to what you've already said? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, a lot of ways I've built it is networking. And I'm not trying to plug RSBA. It's just RSBA Inspire was a great event last year. And it puts you in a lot of situations where there's roundtable discussions and you get to practice speaking with other other people that you, you don't know, that you haven't met before. And whenever you're speaking with somebody new and you hone that skill, it, it helps build confidence and improve communication skills. I'm also very active outside of uh 
you know, the four walls of Metropolitan Sales in, in, in my community, you know, active with the local church group and local charitable organizations and youth organizations. And, you know, I've been leaders in those organizations for 20, you know, going on 20 years. And so I have a lot of experience in public speaking. I've taken Dale Carnegie classes that focus on communication and you know effective communication and listening skills. I will say I'm, I always try to keep in my mind before I go on a call to uh, try to l listen instead of waiting to talk, you know, and uh, it's a skill that we always have to work on, I'm sure all of us, but uh, it's always foremost in my mind. And I think that trying to, one of the things that one of my mentors had taught me uh, at Metropolitan Sales, D David Tal is our VP of Sales and Marketing, was to try to keep the emails short and focused. I try to keep them to three sentences. We were all busy and had, need to get to the next email. And if I can shorten my message, that goes a long way. And to always be learning. If you don't, um, if you think that you know it all, you know, the moment you stop learning in this industry, I think, is the moment moment you can hang up your hat and, and go back in because it's it, especially with technology, it's always changing. Yeah. And I will say you talk to so a couple things to follow up on what you both said. There are kind of uh, I want to say pet peeves of mine, but like you said, the long winding introduction, like I have somebody who emails me on a regular basis, you know, trying to sell me something and they always have the long wind up and they just got an email that just right before we hit record. I hope you're well and enjoying the cooler weather. I know I am getting excited for the Thanksgiving holiday and some time with my loved ones. And you're thinking like, okay, that's all well and good, but that's like one of the shortest intros he's ever had. <laughs> so that was one thing. The other thing, Darcy, I will say is, so I just moved here to Raleigh, uh, North Carolina from Erie, Pennsylvania. And it's funny you bring up the y'all thing. Where yeah. I've been saying a lot of my coworkers, like there's nothing wrong with saying happy fall. We don't need to say happy fall y'all right and everybody's got t-shirts on it and you leave a restaurant they don't just say have a good night they say have a good night y'all <laughs> like you don't need but down here everybody says it like no matter what it gets integrated into everything that had to be hard for you to try to work that out of your system before you presented in missouri i can only imagine oh yeah oh yeah and then when you go home to erie everybody says are you from the south <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know what the exactly. plural of y'all is right all y'all <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, so I'm 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 learning that, but uh, you know I'm I, I'm not. People are telling me you're going to start saying, and I'm saying I'm committed to not doing that. So we'll find out. I'm the I'm the son of two English parents, or I'm sorry, I'm the son of two English teachers, uh, and so I'm trying to keep y'all because it's not in the dictionary. So um, all right, we're uh, we're coming close to the end. I have two final questions uh, for you. And so Darcy, if you can start uh, us with this first one, what advice do you have for salespeople attending trade shows? What is what has worked best for you? Um, I would say the best thing is don't get caught up in you have to have the meeting during you know trade show hours or at your booth like it's okay to have a meeting at the coffee shop or the bar or at breakfast or wherever because a lot of times you will get another customer at that location that is either hearing you talk about your product or your service or they're seeing you know if you're if you have something that you're showing them or something people are going to see that 
And I've had people actually come up and interrupt me while I'm talking to another customer because they want to get my card and they want me to have theirs because they want to have a conversation with me. And so, and those are people that I might not have never even met coming by our booth or walking the booth. So it's good to not to go to these trade shows, but it's also good to put in the time in the morning, going to the coffee shop, getting your drink or going and getting a drink afterwards or an appetizer or something. And sometimes when you're with those people, they're going to introduce you to other folks that they know as well that you might not have ever even had the opportunity to meet. So that's the biggest thing is I know that sometimes the shows have long hours, but putting in that time before or after can really sometimes lead to some powerful introductions. Yeah, and I, I can tell our audience, Darcy lives this, what she's preaching, because I saw you on the trade show floor at Retail Now, and I remember we crossed paths at Wreckers, uh, which is in the same facility um, yeah. uh, at the Gaylord in Orlando, and you introduced me to somebody there. So, yeah, um, yeah 100%. James, uh, what's your advice for salespeople attending a show? All paths lead to records. No, uh, that's, that's <laughs> what I learned this year in RSPA. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely. Um, I that you got to maximize your time in a trade show, and and as I always try to do, I when I get to the exhibit hall, I try to early walk the floor, see what the trends are, see what the, you know what the theme of that show is, and. Sometimes the theme isn't expressly what the show the show provider put on. It's what the technology and the market trends are demanding. And, and you'll see it in the exhibitors booths that they all have the same kind of trend going on. And if you, if you try to identify that early, you can put yourself in the attendees boots and, and what are they looking for? And you can kind of address their needs when they come to the hmm. to the booth. I try to have solutions set up, not just hardware. Uh, in our booth because you know customers buy a solution they're not just buying a component and, and if you can try to get that solution across in a concise method that's important but then also outside of the show floor you know a lot of business does get done on the show floor and in the booth and walking and talking with the exhibitors and not not just working the booth if there's downtime you can take advantage and network with the other vendors well a lot of us aren't even competitors at these shows we're, we're partners you know and rmh was a good example it was partners with i've distribute product for four of the people that were exhibiting and i'm a mem and we're a member of rspa for i don't know 20 plus years probably mm -hmm. at metropolitan sales and you know i networked with those guys at the downtime too to see how we can offer the best services to our customers but then absolutely and it's not about networking at the bar and throwing a few back, but it's about finding opportunities to to meet with other customers, whether it's a breakfast with a customer like Darcy said, or or meeting at Wreckers, or or even going to a roundtable, you know, discussion. If there's, you know, I think RSBI did a great job with the women to women, and a couple of my colleagues, I encouraged them to go to that. That are, you know, like you said, it's a very male-dominated industry, but you know, at Metropolitan Sales, we have. A really great diverse team and we have two women salespeople, marketing people that on our team that are joining that organization and i right. think that they would benefit for learning about the other 
you know, if you can send me the links on that, I'd like to share it with my colleagues. I think that sure. they would like to know about those groups, you know, Absolutely. that would benefit them. And it, it benefits our, you know, everybody if, if the more knowledgeable staff that you have at RSPA and the community that we, you know, we're working together to, to promote and build. Yeah. Amen. Well said. Yeah, you can't stay in your room at a trade show like no. uh, to quote Mark Olson, former president of APG Castro, he would say you can sleep when you get to the old folks home. Right. So when you're at a trade show, go out there and network. I would say morning, noon and night, but even pre morning and even later in the evening. Right. It's got to be an, an all day. It should be long days uh, uh, at yeah. a show. All right. Final question, James, if you can take this one and then uh, Darcy, you close us out. What's the biggest mistake you made early in your sales career or to put a more positive spin on the question? What advice would you give your younger self? So I would say definitely write shorter emails. You know, it definitely <laughs> took a while to master. You know, talk less, listen more. And, and it's something that even took me a while to master in my early years is trying to focus on the value that I'm offering the customer, not trying to just sell something based on its spec sheet or, or price point. But, you know, what's the total value proposition that, that it offers? What What is this? You know, people always say, what's in it for me? But it's more of what's the value in working with? with this partner and how you provide the, the value that you have. And, and it, it's a hard thing for, I think, a salesperson to grasp. And sometimes it still is. You have to look and, anal, you know, constantly be learning and re, refocusing. What's the value of this? And, you know, what value can I offer to the customer? The more you can focus on that, I think the better we all do. Great advice. Darcy, what's uh, your advice to your younger self? Um, I would say a couple things is, you don't don't say no like don't think you're underqualified for something um because especially as women we try to overthink it and oh i don't check off all these boxes i only have three out of the five but it doesn't matter like you can still learn it as you're going through the process and you know to just have that confidence um that will get you much farther then um, kind of like what James said before is like um, not knowing the answer when somebody asks you, you know, like that's a great question. Um, let me get back to you on that. Um, and just having that confidence to go out there and build your reputation and your brand, your own individual brand, because that's going to carry you through every job, not I'm a salesperson for this person or director at this job. You want your brand to stand out, and that is what you develop. Great, wonderful, excellent, excellent advice. Well, that does it for this episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate it if you rate us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. My personal philosophy is the more stars, the better. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, I'm so tempted to say y'all can check out the RSPA blog at GoRSPA.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. There, I said it. Before we go, big thanks again to Darcy and James for sharing their wisdom with us today. And thanks also to RSPA marketing director and West Virginia's own Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail technology ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. 
episodes. For more information, visit our website at GoRSPA.org. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody.